Good morning. And welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. Man, it is a warm uh, February day. Very warm for February. Uh, but if you live in Japan, you know that February usually comes a little early. I mean, spring comes a little earlier than the States, or it feels like it does. Of course, we'll probably still have some cold days from here. But man, this is a full-on spring day. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I was listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> it's got a delay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was just going to check the outside temperature. It says it's around 11 Celsius, which is in probably in the low 50s, maybe, something like that. Man, it feels warm compared to what we've had this winter, so it feels great. Yeah, in case you're wondering, I'm not really a big fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but it, uh, I bought my car used, and it has a whole magazine, of, or a, I guess a hard drive, if you will, of... Uh, you know, a hundred, a hundred different CDs of the previous owners, probably two previous owners. Somebody liked the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and so it comes around every once in a while. When I want to listen to music, I just let it play whatever it plays. They're actually pretty catchy. They're sort of a, you know, I mean, I didn't listen to them when they came out. I probably should have. I was in my 20s, like in the 90s when they were big, but um, sort of a mixture of rock and punk and rap um, yeah kind of an interesting sound it's got that definitely that west coast sound but seattle sound or whatever grunge band um, actually they're not bad though anyway yeah so very warm nice february day blue skies we had some rain yesterday which kind of accumulates there when we've got stuff to throw away big stuff that we can't throw away in the normal garbage it tends to accumulate there so you know we've been taking care of an 80 year old and so there's all kinds of stuff that uh, he ruins or, or whatnot that would had accumulated there and then 
all the boxes from the stuff we order throughout the year, the uh, you know cardboard boxes uh, accumulate there. And so anyway, yesterday I took a whole load. This my car was pretty much full. Plus I had an old sofa that had been laying around uh, for a long time that needed to be thrown out. Um, we had not used in the house in about a year, I guess. <clears throat> and uh, throwing away stuff in Japan is a little bit tricky compared to other places. There aren't public dumpsters around where you can just, uh, you know, lug stuff into. Um, there's a lot of uh, regulations and Actually, public trash cans is probably one of the biggest, I would think, one of the biggest things that, that Americans don't like about Japan uh, when they travel here is that there's just a lack of public trash cans. Uh, and part of that is uh, Japan's um, commitment to take care of your own garbage, right? To be responsible for your own trash. And in so doing, realizing the environmental impact you have, right? So if you if you actually have to take responsibility for your trash, uh, then you might uh, consume less, for example, or or be more responsible about how you consume. I'm sure a lot of that's thought about in these uh, regulations. But anyway, I had to take a bunch of stuff to the dump, and I've taken stuff to this public dump before where they reject some of the stuff. Like, they won't take any computer hard drives because they don't want to be responsible for lab lost data, things like that. Uh, uh, they don't take things like refrigerators. Those have to be disposed of in a different way. They don't take certain uh, materials, building materials, um, such as, like, uh, I guess it's like Formica. I don't know what it's called, but it's a, it's a man-made uh, kitchen... Um, kind of a tile stuff that they use on walls for uh, splash guards and things like this. It's sort of like glass, but it's not glass. It's pretty sharp like glass when it breaks. But anyway, got a bunch of that in my shed. They they won't take, so got to find another way to do that. Anyway, but yesterday was great because they took everything. Everything in my car, they were glad to take, and it ended up being free. Usually they weigh your car on the way in, and then you dump stuff out, and then you, they charge you by weight on the way out, but they made some kind of a clerical mistake and told me that, uh, yeah, it was going to be free that day, which was kind of sweet. But it feels great, for whatever reason, to clean out a space like that. It, it you know, it, it kind of builds up over time, and, and uh, there's more and more trepidation trepidation may not be the right word, but, um, you know, you just kind of resist thinking about those spaces, even though you know that they've been accumulating stuff. And in, and in accumulating stuff, they become less useful for their original intended purpose, right? Um, well, I don't know what band this is. I wasn't listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers. This band is called Rancid. And looking at the uh, playlist, you've got Nihilism is one. And then four is Salvation. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. A religion mixed in this uh, rock band, whoever Rancid is. I don't know. 
Anyway, that's off the subject. Um, <clears throat> but it feels great to get a bunch of stuff that's been sitting around uh, out of your life that, that needed to be disposed of, um, had been may maybe weighing you down uh, physically or mentally, or, and, and just taking up space and making uh, otherwise usable space unusable. So I was able to do that yesterday. I got my shed uh, on the way to being clean. It's not, I wouldn't call it clean, but it at least has a lot more space. And that felt really good. And it makes me wonder uh, today, you know, how that works in our minds. You know, if, 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 your, if your mind is sort of like your house, where you live, where all of your thinking takes place, uh, what kind of stuff accumulates there that needs to be dealt with. Uh, you can think about that as I sip my coffee. You know, what kind of things <clears throat> have you placed in your mind uh, that probably needs to be done away with? It needs to be uh, looked at, evaluated, standpoint of your more mature self uh, and needs to be uh, discarded and I, I think there's a lot of beliefs that we have uh, that we probably just allow to continue to roll over um, you know month after month or year after year or decade after decade um, that it, probably if you were to look at would be no longer true like you may no longer believe it but but you haven't faced it yet um, <clears throat> and in so doing or in so not doing um, by neglecting to confront <clears throat> these uh, past beliefs uh, and evaluate them in light of your current uh, more mature self or understanding what effect do they have in remaining there um, of course there I think I'm about to make a long list of things that that I have uh, in the last um, probably getting close to 10 years or well it's more it's more like 15 years, I'd say it is 15 years. For the last 15 years, I've been deconstructing my previous held notions. And, and that's kind of the word, I think, the word that we have today um, for, uh, for house cleaning in your mind. I think we call that deconstruction. I think that that is a great fit, right? Um, that from the time you were formulating thoughts, you've been storing um, storing them in your mind. Uh, and things that you believed when you're seven, uh, you probably didn't believe when you were 12. And things you believe uh, <clears throat> when you're 12, you probably didn't believe when you were 17, and, and so on and so on. Um, easiest one to think about with me is the existence of sin.
Santa Claus, right? At some point, we all deconstructed from that notion. Something else took its place, uh, and we, even though we may entertain um, the thoughts that we had as a child and, and look on them, uh, you know, nostalgically, uh, depending on how how uh, sentimental you are. Um, we deconstruct from those ideas because we we replace them with new ones, uh, and that that's an that's an easy one to do because almost no one continues to believe in Santa past a certain age, right? Um, really, I mean, it depends on you know again. <laughs> people say something like, you know, do you believe in baptism? And of course, you know, you're like, well, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> but that's not what they mean. They mean, do you believe that salvation comes by baptism? Usually that's what they mean. Or uh, do you believe in a certain method of baptism? Um, but uh, yeah, so what are the, what are the thoughts uh, and the dogmas and the doctrines um, and the conclusions that you have put in your mind that need to be reevaluated and need to be discarded. Uh, and what is the effect of not doing that? Uh, so I suppose I'm going to try to make a case for deconstruction. Um, and start, I, I guess I'll, I'll make a list of, of uh, the things having to do with religion and church and spirituality in the order that I deconstructed them in, in, you know, in as much as I can remember that. I, I don't know if I can remember the exact order, but um, yeah, I, I think I'll start going through that. Um, up to the time I was about 30, I was a professing Christian pretty much, well, all my life. Um, and yet there was no, there was always effort and failure and shame, but there was no relationship whatsoever, uh, I would say, with Christ until I was 30. But at that time, uh, I, I don't know if this is a deconstruction or a, a realization. From the time I was 30, I began to experience the presence of Christ. Uh, and, and that was a huge um, milestone for me. That it wasn't just rules we were trying to follow to get to heaven, it was actually this, this being that was alive and, and present uh, everywhere, and who paid attention to me, who knew me, who loved me, uh, and who, in a sense, was rooting for me. Um, and so from that, I, I would say that was my conversion, my, my true conversion from that point. Uh, even though, you know, when I was 11 or something, I was baptized. 
uh, I would say I was truly uh, in uh, beginning to walk in a relationship with Christ from about the age of 30. Uh, and so from that time I started taking everything much more seriously, right? I, I started studying the Bible seriously and I, I was able to teach um, people and, and lead, lead some people to Christ during, during that time between the time I was 30 and I would say 35. But at about the time I was 35, um, I was introduced to new ideas of church, right? Uh, what church is and what church could be. Uh, and at this time, I uh, was introduced to something called church planting movements, uh, which have also been called house church, which uh, also is related to the idea of organic church and these kinds of things. But basically, uh, autonomous small groups that uh, spread like like cell regeneration, or not cell regeneration, sorry, cell multiplication, right? Divide and become two, two becomes four, four becomes eight, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, multiplication of of churches as as a church planting scheme and this really was a big thing because it made me realize that there were different ways to do church and it, it made me start uh, rethinking my uh, beliefs on what church is and, and what you need to be church and, and so that became my uh, I would say for 10 years after that my biggest thing was deconstructing ideas of church and replacing them with with what I thought to be better ideas of church. So I would say my, my first big deconstruction was, was church. Uh, and from there, I would say about eight years after that, seven or eight years after that, I started to uh, go toward the idea of of house church, or simple church, or organic church, or whatever you want to call it. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly what we achieved, uh, what people would call it exactly, but we did start meeting in small groups, um, doing things more uh, in communal uh, type fellowship as opposed to formal worship. And then in 2000, yeah, 2013, we stopped formal worship altogether uh, and it became uh, exclusively um, house church people, I guess, would be the best way to say it. Um, and so that was, that was my first big, big deconstruction. Uh, another big deconstruction for me was hell. Uh, I remember having a conversation with somebody and, you know, how can, how can we not preach hell more? And, you know, if, if we're talking about salvation, what are we talking about them being saved from? And, and I had this idea, and I think most people still hold this idea that salvation is, is being saved from hell, right? Um, 
you're being saved from hell. Uh, and so in order to better teach people about those things, I thought, well, we should be teaching more about hell because we need to let them know uh, what they're being saved from. And so one of my friend introduced me, friends introduced me to the idea of uh, um, annihilation, annihilationism. The idea that that hell may not be about eternal conscious torment, or ECT. Uh, it may also include ideas of annihilationism, that God will simply mercifully destroy those who refused to refuse to come into him. <clears throat> and and once I started looking in that and realized that there's just as much uh, evidence for that as there is for uh, eternal conscious torment, uh, that was a big deconstruction for me. That, that really changed things uh, in a very big way. Um, well, I, I guess I should backtrack. Another big deconstruction for me, which happened probably in the late 90s, uh, sorry, late 2008, 2009, late, late, late 2010s, late 2010s, I don't know what to call it, was the idea that Jesus was supreme in creation, that, that by and large evangelicalism was ignoring Jesus and and continuing to follow a an Old Testament depiction of God. And so the the primary place of Jesus in scripture and in creation uh, was a huge deconstruction for me. And I I started to reintroduce the word Jesus or introduce for the first time really Jesus into my vocabulary. Uh, that Jesus as depicted in the gospels was uh, what everything was about, uh, even though you know we talk about Christ and we're Christians and all these things. Really, evangelicalism, it, by and large, has has held on to this idea of a an angry, vengeful God, um, and not really been comfortable with a close uh, human depiction of the divine is found in Jesus. And yet I believed uh, through reading several books uh, that that Jesus was everything. And, and so that, that became another deconstruction for me. And I started noticing that I'd go to you know, different church services where God was talked about all the time. Jesus was rarely engaged. Uh, and this seemed to be a, a problem to me. And so I deconstructed from that idea uh, and, and tried to replace almost all of my God vocabulary with Jesus vocabulary and really started focusing on, on Jesus' place, uh, which, is the, which is the primary place uh, in Scripture and in, uh, yeah, everything else. Um, So that was another big deconstruction for me. Uh, and all the time I'm realizing that that the religion that I've been involved in is not does not see these things as I'm seeing them. Um, 
Yeah, so, uh, what's the other way I said? I went through the idea of hell, and that, that has continued to deconstruct from an annihilation, annihilationism, 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 that has continued to destruct for me. I, I continue to deconstruct, not destruct, deconstruct my ideas of hell uh, as I as I see Jesus, I believe more and more clearly as well. So, uh, but the doctrine of hell has definitely been one of the biggest deconstructions for me. Another big one has been, uh, and it's related to that, that God is angry, that, that God gets ticked off or uh, uh, wants to punish us, uh, wants to that he's this this volatile spirit in the sky who holds blessings in one hand and lightning bolts in the other and depending on our actions uses one of them on us constantly right that he's sort of this uh, forgive the word but schizophrenic or uh, bipolar or <laughs> Uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, that, that he, he is unstable in a sense, and he's petty, and he just waits to punish us when we step out of line. Uh, I had to deconstruct that idea too. I don't any longer believe that we have an angry deity in the sky. Um, and, and again, a lot of this is because I look at Jesus differently. Now at Jesus as the, as Hebrew says, the perfect representation of the invisible God, um, and then uh, other other uh, things, uh, you know, a lot of these obviously fall in line. As one falls, the others start to fall, right? Sort of like the domino effect of your uh, pet dogmas, uh, I guess, um, being looked at. And, Man, I can't tell you enough how great this is. Um, uh, deconstruction is good almost in everything you do. You know, whatever you, whatever truth you held as a child, man, you should look at it again as an adult, uh, and then do it again as an older adult. It's it's just a it's just a smart process. Um, it's something we should always do. Um, hungry for truth, right? Um, that hunger uh, keeps us uh, both humble uh, and progressing, you know. Uh, can't be a bad thing. Uh, deconstruction, so e eternal conscious torment, um, gone. <clears throat> Hell pretty much gone at least in the in the uh, traditional thinking of hell uh, another big one that's that's fallen recently is is the inerrancy of scripture that that scripture is the exact words of God and that God dictated dictated every word every every I may get this wrong dot and tittle no that's not right but that scripture is to be taken literally, right? Is is related to that. 
And I, I look now instead as God-inspired scripture, and yet it was written by men who, with their limited understanding that we all have of the divine, described what they heard and what they saw and what in their, uh, with their theology at the time, what they thought it meant. Uh, and I believe that God allowed scripture to be written this way. I don't think he's threatened by that. Uh, I think, I think he would prefer us to look at it in a more well-rounded, uh, intelligent, um, nuanced way than the way most people or a lot of people read scripture. Hopefully not most anymore. Uh, but this is something that fell for me. Another thing that fell for me that I'm still kind of struggling with and trying to figure out, but that the logos or the word now to me is Jesus. It means Jesus or the Christ. Uh, it no longer to me means the Judeo Christian scriptures, right? Um, logos is more than that. The scriptures refer and they contain words of God, I think. But the word, the logos, uh, is is Christ and Christ alone. Um, I don't any longer believe that Scripture is authoritative. Okay. I believe that all authority rests with Christ, uh, and that Scripture often refers to that authority and describes it and talks about it, uh, but that the actual authority lies with Christ, not with Scripture. And again, that's separating uh, the words of God as found occasionally in the Bible and the Word of God, the Logos, uh, or the Tao. Lao Tzu refers to it, uh, is Christ himself. Uh, and so authority is with Christ. Um, uh, and I guess we better get to salvation. I'm going to be to my destination in about five minutes. Salvation uh, is another big de deconstruction for me. Um, that that salvation is something for after death, right? I, I, I now think that we are saved from ourselves even now in this world when, when we allow Christ to reign in our lives. Uh, when, we, when we accept the indwelling of Christ, uh, at that moment we have been saved. Right? We are saved, and, and we know we are saved. <clears throat> uh, salvation is not something that's happening at the end of the world, you know, waiting for the world to end and, and for God to punish uh, the wicked. Salvation is something that's happening now, and so that brings into, brings into light what, what in the heck is the kingdom of God, right? A lot of people think that when Jesus talks about, you know, uh, so-and-so will, will not enter the kingdom of heaven, 
we think he's talking about this end of times eschatology that we've we've uh, had um, ingrained into us. Uh, but actually, actually, uh, sorry, losing my thought here. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is something that exists now, and that and that's where we can experience the salvation that we seek. The kingdom of God is a re, is the reality of Christ's rule on earth now, right? Uh, and so all this all this wasted time on wondering when the world's going to end, uh, we've been we've been blind to the fact that that salvation is now, the kingdom is here. That world, in a sense, has ended. Uh, and Christ reigns today. Uh, and, and if we would but open our, our eyes and allow him to see through us, uh, we, would, we would be able to enjoy this vision of a world of uh, new creation, a new, newly created world. That we live in now, uh, and so my ideas, the ideas that I previously held about salvation and, and punishment, uh, and uh, the next one, the next one is is going to be related as well, and that's uh, the idea of conditional salvation, right? That our salvation uh, is. <laughs> somehow this makes sense to people. It made sense to me. Somehow, Jesus' grace is such that that we are dependent upon His grace that we cannot be saved without His grace and that we can do nothing to earn His grace. And yet, if we don't do X, Y, and Z, we will not be participants of His grace. Right, so somehow we've believed that His grace is conditionally given. That somehow His unconditional love can only be received on the condition that we jump through a certain number of hoops, right? And this made sense to me and other people for a long time. Uh, God doesn't want you to have a lobotomy. He doesn't want you to stop using your If something seems off, by all means, think about it. Good night. Some of the crap I've been taught over the years that kept me in shame and guilt, uh, was just horrible stuff. Horrible. And I know a lot of it we make up in our mind that maybe we assume adults think a certain way, the people that taught us, but in actuality they have a more nuanced understanding than we thought we did. But they allowed us to con continually think this way, somehow thinking that we all have to uh, go through that gauntlet in order to come to a better understanding, and maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know, but man, I'm... I'm glad, ecstatic even, that I've been going through some of this deconstruction. 
and I I hope that you can as well. Uh, it's worth it. Uh, it's worth it to be able to uh, look at some of these things that you think are true, and to ask yourself, well, why why did I think they were true then, and and what do I think now? And yeah, I think we need to adjust that thought, um, and and hopefully the Holy Spirit will guide you in that uh, and that you will use Jesus Christ as, as he's depicted in the Gospels and as you come to know him more and more as, as the, the Spirit who indwells you. Uh, hopefully, uh, that uh, will help you deconstruct and come to a, a, a truer knowledge of the truth and I think that's that's what Paul talks about in the renewing of your mind I think a lot of people have tried to accept Christ while while not renewing their thinking uh, and I think that has caused just a lot of um, dualism uh, and a lot of uh, just weird dark uh, thoughts that have entered into Christianity this has run a little bit long, so I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, thanks for coming along with me, and uh, I pray success in your journey of deconstruction. Thanks. Bye.